Welcome to Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, PhD, and I'm also a deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm your host of Chattachesis, a podcast series for clergy that helps them find creative and fresh ways to share the gospel message and promote missionary discipleship. This episode is brought to you by Sadlier's Catechetical Programs, Christ in Us for Kindergarten through 8th Grade, and Cristo en Nosotros, the Spanish bilingual edition for kindergarten through 6th grade. They set the standard for faith formation in today's world. Check them out today at sadlyreligion.com slash CIU and see how their innovative approach is changing the future of catechesis. We're here in this wonderful month of October. Uh, We've already celebrated the Feast of the Most Holy Rosary. That was October 7th, although the entire month really is dedicated to the rosary and dedicated to Mary. And that's actually an interesting segue to the topic for today's uh, catechesis, which is to talk about demons and talk about exorcism, deliverance ministry. The rosary is certainly a powerful weapon uh, in terms of spiritual warfare and uh, defeating the evil one and his army of minions. So why don't we just get into that here on Chattachesis. So again, welcome. I'm Deacon Matt Hallback. It's so good to be with you here in October. Uh, which has so many themes for us. We did already talk about the Feast of the Most Holy Rosary back on October 7th, uh, which, by the way, if you didn't know where the rosary tradition began, or the origin story, if you will, the backdrop, involves a certain uh, priest named Dominic Guzman, who founder of the Dominicans, and the receiving of the rosary from our Blessed Mother. And the Dominicans did a lot to promote devotion, to Mary through the rosary uh, in terms of helping to root out heresy, uh, particularly in Western Europe, the rosary became an important tool and the rosary became uh, became a tool in different uh, ministry circumstances. And in particular, which is what we're gonna focus on today, uh, in deliverance ministry, which is a more sort of uh, modern, uh, maybe postmodern title for ministries that deal with people that are struggling with some kind of uh, demonic uh, infestation, oppression, or perhaps even possession. Um, Though deliverance ministry can also be, uh, can also sort of encapsulate or encompass uh, any kind of healing ministry that is needed. Uh, So for example, reconciliation is certainly considered uh, deliverance ministry. Uh, Just simply praying with people, preaching the word of Jesus, the good news, uh, any anywhere where uh, spiritual liberation is needed, okay, whether that comes in the form of forgiveness, absolution, or some sort of um, removal of an oppressive or possessing force, and and we know in contemporary culture, so many of those forces take the shapes of addictions, other things of that nature. But we do also believe as Catholics in the world of the supernatural, which again, in October, it's a great uh, month to highlight sort of the Catholic view of the spiritual realm. Uh, While it's not like the secular culture, which embraces jack-o'-lanterns and and witches and ghosts, uh, instead in the Catholic uh, sort of worldview, we have angels and demons. Uh, We have heaven, purgatory, and hell. Uh, and in this case, again, we're going to focus on sort of deliverance ministry and and what I want to share a, a story, maybe two, about my own experience in this important ministry. <clears throat> and then um, 
just again, probably end, end up back at the rosary, uh, just to kind of make some nice uh, devotional bookends to this particular podcast episode. So <laughs> again, we're getting into this topic. Um, so it's really interesting, friends, uh, my own journey with uh, getting involved and learning about deliverance ministry. Uh, It's not, you can't really, um, there's no um, LinkedIn application uh, to to sign up to be someone who who works in deliverance ministry. There's no like, um, you know, catholicjobs.com that you can go to uh, in order to get into this line of of ministry. Um, And in my case, it actually found me, like it actually searched me out. And that's why I uh, embraced it. And I should say, I am my wife. I'm married with six kids. And, and just like my diaconal vocation, uh, it's something that I discern together with the family. So um, it, it makes the, the pursuit um, much more intentional, uh, the vocation much more much stronger, and, and I think honestly fruitful. So that being said, I think my first um, sort of encounter uh with the demonic and with a kind of raising my interest level and and trying to seek out and inquire about deliverance ministry happened probably um i'd say maybe it's 2022 so i'm going to say you know maybe 20 years ago um and i won't say where i was at the time but um i was attending school i had a friend um whose mother had uh, some issues health issues uh taking blood pressure medications and she uh, was just getting used to that kind of medication which you if you've been on that medication you know it can take a bit to get used to and it can make you feel dizzy and lightheaded and all sorts of things well <clears throat> her mother uh fell down fl- the, a flight of stairs uh, my friend didn't have a license wasn't able to drive and and i took her uh, her mother <clears throat> and we'll just call her linda i took her to the hospital so as we're sitting in the you know intake area right in the in the er i'm not really sure what that's called i don't think you can call it a lounge uh it's an emergency sort of area so (laughs) whatever it's called there we are linda and i and um helping her fill out kind of some paperwork about her and friends this is the this is the most bizarre thing and this is where the bizarreness of this story really begins I remember Linda leaning over and just sort of looking at me really nonchalantly and saying, um, did I ever tell you that uh, I used to be possessed and that I had an exorcism performed on me? And I i mean, it's like time stood still. I just sort of stared at her. I'm sure my mouth was open, but I remember going, no, uh, I'm sure I would have remembered, Linda, had you told me something like that. And she goes, oh, yeah. And then sort of again in that nonchalant sort of way uh, continues to to take me back to what was the origin of all this. Well, it turned out that have, having had contact through herself and her, her previous husband with a satanic cult, um, this is when all these bad things started to begin for her, uh, feeling like uh, the devil, as she would say later, was out to get her, you know, is following her, is harassing her. Um, so anyway, all this is sort of coming out and here we are in the, in the ER space. And then we, we bring Linda into the triage room to kind of get evaluated and they get her hooked up to some things and IV and stuff. And, 
and she falls asleep. And here we go. We're going to reconnect with the what I first said on, on the show today, which is the rosary. And the rosary is a, is a, a most important, a most important uh, weapon against evil um, and resource uh, in those in good times and bad, right? It's not like just the rosary is for spiritual warfare, but the rosary is is like a um you the the utility knife right it, it has so many great purposes and i just want to encourage that devotion as much as i can uh the swiss army knife i guess is what i was thinking of but at any rate so we're there in the triage room and uh linda falls asleep and i've got my rosary so i start thumbing through the beads as i say and um then all of a sudden they some doctors wheel in uh this patient who is just screaming their head off and you know, I kind of look out the door and, and you can see there's like blood all over this gurney. And this guy is like, it looks like he's missing part of an arm and he's just screaming. And the doctors are trying to rush him, I'm assuming, into the OR, uh, take care of him. Well, anyway, all this commotion uh, sort of riles Linda from her sleep and she uh, looks really scared. And I said, uh, hey, are you OK? And she goes, I hear the devil. And I said, what? She goes, no, I hear the devil. The devil's coming after me. And I said, I don't, I don't know what you're saying. Uh, and she was identifying the screams of the patient as sounds of the devil and the devil coming after her. And I said, no, no, that's just a, a patient they brought in that, uh, you know, they're going to have to operate on him, et cetera. No, no, no. He's coming after me. I got to get out of here, she says. And she gets so excited that she gets out of bed and she pulls the IV out of her arm and she starts rummaging around for her clothes. And I say, what are you doing? And she's like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. You know, the evil one's coming after me. And I said, you can't go anywhere. The doctors haven't even treated you. No, no, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. And she's getting more and more frantic. Okay. And then I, I start to just tell her outright, no, you can't go anywhere. Well, the second time I say that to her, she turns around, <coughs> excuse me, and friends her eyes lose all coloration, right? They're just totally white. And her voice, which I, is, is, you know, a higher timbre, higher pitch, just drops to like a really low bass. And she says to me, you know, get the, you know what, out of my way. And it was the most bizarre experience ever. Uh, I can't believe what I was witnessing. And I was feeling absolutely petrified. I'd be lying if, if I told you I wasn't. But in addition to that feeling of absolute fear, <laughs> uh, there was another feeling. And it was like these two sort of feelings were in, in competition with each other about which one would take hold of me. And the other feeling was courage, right? Well, here I am with the rosary. Our Lady is uh the great victress over the evil one right we see that in the book of revelation last book of the bible and we're told about it in the very first book of the bible right in genesis 3 15 and following uh that god will put enmity between the woman and the snake and her offspring and the snake's offspring um so here i am feeling courageous and at the same time petrified uh i'm standing there uh, she then proceeds to shove me out of the way she runs down the uh, hall of the hospital and she's just sort of screaming and she turns the corner. Uh, I run after her. I, I turn the corner and there she is. And she's being embraced by a little nun 
in a black habit who's, you know, sort of holding Linda, hugging Linda. Linda's crying on the nun's shoulder. The nun gets Linda calmed down. Linda sits on the bench. Um, I can hear, you know, the nurses coming down the hall behind me. And then this little nun comes up to me and she like takes my hands and she looks at me. And it's almost as if she was already apprised of the situation, right? As if she already knew what was going on with Linda. And she says to me, looking back on it, exactly what I needed to hear in this moment. She says very in a very comforting way, you know, she'll be okay. It's okay. Sometimes the devil just tries to scare us. She'll be okay. And then she just walked down the hall the other way and was gone. So she turns a corner and is gone. Now, now comes the staff or some staff members around the corner behind me to kind of say, what's going on and get, get, you know, start to take care of Linda, get her back to her room. And I start walking back with them. And I said to the nurse, um, there was a nun here and she got Linda calmed down. And, and I tried to explain the situation to her and the nurse is like, a nun, are you sure? And I said, I think I know, <laughs> I think I know what a nun looks like. And I said, she had this black habit. She had these rosaries hanging off. See, we're back to the theme of the rosary again. Had these rosaries hanging off her side there. And uh, she goes, oh, well, you're describing the um, the Franciscan TOR sisters. And uh, yeah, they used to sort of run the hospital here, uh, but they haven't been around for like 50 years. And when they said that, friends, I was like, oh my gosh, what just happened? Was this a, was this a person? This, this nun, was this an angel? Who was this? And I'll never forget that. And I have told this story hundreds of times and the details do not change. I mean, this whole experience is absolutely, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like in, emblazoned on my consciousness, on my memory. Uh, you just don't forget things like that. Um, in the aftermath is, or the epilogue of the story is that we brought Linda to uh, a priest who was an exorcist, uh, and he performed an exorcism on Linda, uh, and that Linda's been great since, uh, to the best of my knowledge. Again, this was 20 years ago. So at any rate, that was my first and extremely dramatic encounter with uh, the supernatural, with spiritual warfare, with the demonic, with exorcism. Uh, all this stuff just gets introduced. And again, it's not, I'm not uh, looking for this. I mean, a situ who, who so many people move through life, and I'll just say as Catholics, but just talking about people in general too, so many of us just move through life and never encounter anything like this, you know, and most people don't go looking for it. But here it finds me. So, okay. The next one is uh, several, several years later, probably seven to 10 years later. Uh, so at this point, I'm married. I have a family. I'm driving down to to my wife's um, uh, parents' house, and my father-in-law, who's a deacon uh, in the diocese uh, that we were heading to, calls me as we're driving and says, "Hey, uh, I know you're on the road. I know you're probably tired, but when you get here, do you have a? Could you come help me? Uh, there's a woman here who's uh, we're doing exorcisms on her, and uh, I need you to. Uh, we need someone to help hold her down. Again." Listeners, could you imagine getting a phone call like this? I had no idea my father-in-law even had anything to do with this. I knew he was a deacon 
but I didn't, that, that was pretty much the extent of it. So I said, uh, I had to think about that one. I mean, <laughs> what? I just wanted to go, you know, to, to the in-laws for a holiday. That's what this is about. And then I get a phone call to that. There's some person who's possessed and, uh, can you come help out? You know, we need someone to help. Oh my gosh. So I say yes. And I think I say yes, because in part, I really believe this is like Providence. And of course, my mind went back to the situation with Linda and, and being present for that, which is something that I did not expect, did not anticipate, did not go looking for. And here it is again, sort of falling in my lap. This just a situation to be involved in deliverance ministry. Okay, so we get there and I, I go with, with my father-in-law. And um, so in this, di every diocese has an exorcist, uh, a priest who functions as an exorcist. And that person is appointed by their bishop. So here we are, uh, the exorcist is there, my father-in-law is there, I'm there, and there's a team of people. And this is my first encounter with what, with what um, exorcism looks like for real. Not like what you see on um, the show The Exorcist, the movie The Exorcist, or, or that kind of thing. Although there are sort of similar uh, underlying truths, right, about possessed people, and I'll get to those in just a second. But um, we get there, and, and why is there a team? What's this team doing? Well, the team is including the there are relatives of the, I'll just call them the patient, all right, or the possessed person, the patient. Uh, there are relatives there, they're praying. There's a prayer team that's there, they're praying. Again, the exorcist and my father-in-law and uh, two other gentlemen, very stout, uh, very uh, stocky. Um, why are they there? They're there to try to help hold uh, this person down, the patient down. Why does this person need to be held down? Because they're, uh, when the ritual of exorcism would start, the patient would just start flailing around and biting people and, and just absolutely hysterical, out of control. Uh, there are also in the room uh, a psychologist and a medical doctor. So as I came to find and learn more about how exorcism is done in, in a modern context, uh, at least in the Roman Catholic Church, it's very uh, team oriented and interdisciplinary oriented. So again, you got medical doctor, psychological doctor, you have priests, deacons, you have family. So we're trying to bring in different spheres of life, you know, different professionals representing these different spheres of our lives, right? Our mind, our spirit, our heart, our community, all these things. And they're being sort of symbolized here in, in this ritual. So, so my job was to hold the patient's head and the doctor showed me how best to do this. And uh, when the ritual started, I mean, this person who's the patient is probably five foot tall uh, and is probably 50 years old. This is a female. And she uh, is just uh, wild. And, and there's two, there's one guy holding one arm, another guy holding another arm. I'm holding a head. And it's so difficult to try to restrain her. At any rate, um, what did I notice during the exorcism? Well, a couple things. One, there were times when the patient would speak a language that she apparently did not have any previous knowledge of. And if you, if you study, again, exorcism is more of a practice than it is some kind of science. Uh, it's definitely like a practice like medicine. Um, 
But if you familiarize yourself with the history of the practice, uh, that's a can be an attribute or a feature of someone who is in fact possessed, right? Knowledge of, of things that they could not have knowledge of. Um, or hidden knowledge is another one. So sometimes a person who's possessed will tell or reveal the secrets of other people in the room, things that they couldn't know. Um, when my father-in-law put holy water on the patient's neck, uh, it would kind of bubble up uh, like uh, almost like little welts. Um, when you would put regular tap water on the patient's neck, nothing would happen. Uh, very interesting. Things like that. Relics are used. Crucifix is used. Rosaries are being prayed. Again, rosary, con connecting back to the primary, um, not the primary, but the first theme of the show today. Um, and then anyway, that was just one session that I was involved in. Um, there were several other sessions uh, until this person was liberated. But that was my second um, experience of it. And then in our diocese, in the diocese of Des Moines, we started up a deliverance ministry um, through Father Fleming and went to the training for that. And um, and that's sort of how I got involved. But, but again, deliverance ministry, and as radical and rare as something like a possession is, um, what's less rare is like people noticing things in their homes or in certain places. They feel uncomfortable, they feel scared. Uh, they feel like there's another presence. And so you go and you do house blessings, you know, uh, a priest or a deacon uh, doing house blessings. I'm a huge advocate of house blessings. And uh, one of the things that I love is baptismal prep programs that include house blessings. So you, you baptize the child and then the priest or deacon visits the home and just blesses the home as well. Um, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful ministry. Uh, but deliverance ministry is is a wide umbrella, and I've been involved in in uh, ministry um, experiences that just look more like a, a healing service, or it's really focused on reconciliation, um, or it's really more like mediation between people that are having difficulties or divisions over something, and trying to be like a Christ-like figure to help bring some unity and some peace, right? Because evil wants to divide evil wants to distort and to divide uh god wants to bring together to make whole and to order everything uh, as it should be um so again it's been a wonderful journey and a, and a bizarre one to <laughs> to get into this uh particular ministry um and that's that's uh really it as far as uh, that that part of the of the show and that topic anyway but i want to come back to the rosary as a bookend like i said um the rosary has been a humongous um, inspiration in my life. Uh, I would be lying to you if I said I pray all the time. I wish that I did. Um, I need to desire to desire that more. Um, but I definitely know that that Mary is, a, is an incredible advocate for me. And there's been so many wonderful personal moments of her advocacy that have been life-changing and have made it very clear to me that Mary is very much involved in continuing to bring people to Jesus, right? Which is what she does. We look, we look back at the wedding feast of Cana in John two. She, she assesses the situation. We're out of wine. She, she goes and brings the uh, stewards and says to them, "Hey, do what my son tells you to do, right? And then all will be well." And that's really the message too today for us on this show. Um, as we continue to avoid doing evil, avoid temptations and so forth, 
one of our biggest helps in doing that is picking up the rosary. One of our biggest helps in walking the, the Christian journey is to walk it hand in hand with Mary. And so I leave you with that thought, uh, good friends. And um, I, as we move through the rest of this October month and into the kind of the secular holidays of Halloween and then into the Catholic feast days of All Saints and All Souls, um, be mindful of Mary this month. Be mindful of her love and her protection, um, her care, um, and, and uh, utilize it, right? Uh, and, and wrap yourself up in the truth that Jesus' mother, whom he gave to us from the cross, this is in John chapter 19, she's our mother now. And talk to your mother, spend time with your mother, go to your mother if you're in trouble. Uh, but also go to your mother to celebrate, you know, the wonderful things that are happening in your life. I want to close this episode out. We usually close with a prayer, and I'm going to ask for the intercession of Our Lady, the Undoer of Knots, a wonderful devotion that uh, Pope Francis brought a lot of popularity to uh, a few years back. So why don't we close with that? In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, we thank you for the gift of the church, which offers, uh, continues the ministry of Jesus Christ in so many different ways, and in a particular way, in, uh, through deliverance ministry. We thank you also for the gift of your blessed mother, Lord, um, Our Lady, and we ask the uh, Mary, the undoer of knots, to undo those knots in our lives, in our hearts, in our souls that, that really bind us up, that keep us paralyzed, that keep us afraid. Fill us with your courage. Fill us with your um fill us with hope fill us with um childlike um, wonder and joy and enthusiasm as we continue to walk this journey of life this journey of faith be with us our lady undoer of knots untie those knots in our lives and we ask this through the intercession of our lady the endurer of knots and we ask this all in jesus name amen this has been another episode of Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback. It was so good to chat with you. See you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chattachesis. Head over to sadlyreligion.com forward slash podcast to hear more. And don't forget to request your sample and trial of Christ in Us and our bilingual edition, Cristo in Nosotros, at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU.